0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin, with support from New Zealand On Air. Welcome to Radio Church This Morning. I'm Anne Thompson and it's my privilege to offer the service on behalf of First Church of Otago, I'm joined today by Moira Thompson. Thanks, Moira, for being part of this. Cheers. Today we celebrate Transfiguration Sunday, remembering the unveiling of Jesus in glory on the mountaintop as he prepared to journey to Jerusalem for the final time. This is the last Sunday before Lent, the seven weeks when we also journey with Jesus towards Easter. Our call to worship is based on Psalm 99, the psalm for today. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord
1: our God and King. Glorious and powerful is the Lord of all creation.
0: In reverent awe we come to worship our God.
1: The Lord our God is King and the just Judge of all things for all eternity, all people and all places.
0: In reverent awe we come
1: to praise our God. The Lord our God is King and the Forgiving God. Fairness and justice are the names of our God. In
0: reverent awe we come to worship God in the light of God's holiness, justice, mercy and love. We will listen now to a hymn that reminds us that God dwells in light inaccessible hid from our eyes, but in Jesus we can see the glory of God revealed. Yeah. Let's come to God in prayer. God of power and wonder, we are awestruck by the glory of your presence. We rejoice at what we can see. We marvel at what we cannot see. You dazzle us with your brightness. You overshadow us as with a great cloud. Loving, protecting, challenging, nurturing. You strengthen and transform us. We worship you, loving God, with songs of praise. We worship you with words of prayer and with ears that listen for you to speak your saving truth into our lives. We worship you in the silent spaces where we struggle for hope and for courage. We long for a glimpse of your glory, the glory that shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. The glory that touches lives with a beauty so holy that it heals the wounded soul. The glory that gives strength to the weak. God of transfiguration, you meet us in the ordinary as well as the extraordinary moments of life. We seek you in the valleys and on the mountaintops. Yet we admit that too often our eyes are blind to your presence. Too often our ears are deaf to your call. When you reach out to us through the cries of the hungry and homeless, too often our hearts shrink from your touch. Forgive us, we pray, and set us free to love and to serve. Amen. Our reading today is Luke's account of the Transfiguration, and we'll hear it from the the Message translation. About eight days after saying
1: this, he climbed the mountain to pray, taking Peter, John, and James along. While he was in prayer, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became blinding white. At once, two men were there talking with him, They turned out to be Moses and Elijah, and what a glorious appearance they made. They talked over his exodus, the one Jesus was about to complete in Jerusalem. Meanwhile, Peter and those with him were slumped over in sleep. When they came to, rubbing their eyes, they saw Jesus in his glory and the two men standing with him. When Moses and Elijah had left, Peter said to Jesus, "'Master, this is a great moment!' Let's build three memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He blurted this out without thinking. While he was babbling on like this, a a light radiant cloud enveloped them. As they found themselves buried in the cloud, they became deeply aware of God. Then there was a voice out of the cloud. This is my son, the chosen. Listen to him. When the sound of the voice died away, they saw Jesus there alone. They were speechless. And they continued speechless, said not one thing to anyone during those days of what they had seen. When they came down off the mountain the next day, a big crowd was there to meet them. A man cried out from the crowd, Please, please, teacher, take a look at my son. He is my only child. Often a spirit seizes him. Suddenly he's screaming, thrown into convulsions, his mouth foaming. And then it beats him black and blue before it leaves. I asked your disciples to deliver him, but they couldn't. Jesus said, what a generation. No sense of God, no focus to your lives. How many times do I have to go over these things? How much longer do I have to put up with this? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon slammed him to the ground and threw him into convulsions. Jesus stepped in, ordered the foul spirit gone, healed the boy and handed him back to his father. They all shook their heads in wonder, astonished at God's greatness, God's majestic greatness.
0: Our next song today speaks of Jesus, the light of the world coming down into our darkness. Listen to this song now as we continue in worship.
2: It call to see my sin
0: In Dunedin, we live on hills, and we live surrounded by hills. Mount Cargill is visible from many parts of the city, and Flagstaff as well. The heights above St. Clair, Harbour Cone and the high ridge of the peninsula, the Mangatours along the western side of the Tyree Plain. Wherever you are sitting now, if you look out a window, you can probably see a hill, or you're sitting on a hill when you travel out of town and return home. It's the shape of the hills along the skyline that first reminds you that this is familiar territory once more. This is home. Mountains are important to human beings all over the world and across the ages. Māori use the pepeha to place the individual within their home, both physically and in terms of family connections. Mountains form part of the pepeha. Ko kāpuka Tomahaka Tokumanga. Mount Kargil is my mountain. In the Hebrew scriptures, mountains are places of revelation, places where God meets with human beings. Like at Mount Sinai, where Moses received the law, the Ten Commandments, and where God also revealed God's self to Moses. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. It was on Mount Cargill, uh, Mount Carmel that Elijah confronted the priests of Baal and demonstrated how ineffectual they were. But then it was to Mount Horeb, another name for Sinai, that Elijah fled in deep depression and there also received the revelation of God in the sound of sheer silence. Jesus was at a turning point in his ministry. At the end of this chapter in Luke, we'll read that he set his face towards Jerusalem. And before today's reading, Eight days earlier, Jesus had asked his disciples, Who do you say that I am? And had given them his first warning of what lay ahead in Jerusalem, betrayal, suffering and death, with resurrection to follow. Not that they understood. Jesus takes Peter, John and James to the top of a mountain and there he is transfigured. There is change, transformation, bright white clothing, dazzling light. Even the weary disciples are startled from their sleepiness, wide awake. Moses and Elijah also appear in glory. Moses is the giver of the law. Elijah, the greatest of the prophets, Moses is a reminder of the past, of the Exodus and all God did to save God's people and of the law that shapes the way that the people are to live as God's people. Elijah is a prophet from Israel's history but also the one who would herald the end times. In Malachi we read, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord arrives. Elijah was then expected to turn people's hearts back to God. These two, Moses and Elijah, were speaking with Jesus about his exodus, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. The work of God and salvation demonstrated in the past in the exodus with its promised fulfilment at the end of the age, is the work that God, Jesus will accomplish in Jerusalem. But in contrast to the bright, shining light of the transfiguration, Jesus' work will be accomplished in darkness, through suffering and in glorious death, on a cross at the top of another hill. Little wonder the disciples understood none of this at the time. How well do we understand that the ways of God are so very different to our understanding of glory and power and might. But the voice from heaven is clear. This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. Moses and Elijah are gone. Jesus stands alone. Listen to him. Mountain tops can be places of glory and revelation, but they're seldom places to remain, to dwell. The next day, Jesus and his companions come down the mountain, and there they meet an anguished father whose concern is for his only son. Here is someone trapped and tortured by for- forces over which they have no control, and a father whose love is helpless in the face of his son's torment. Alongside, over to one side, are the disciples who've tried and failed to do what they have seen Jesus do, to cast out the evil spirit, to address the evil and banish it, to bring peace and healing into this maelstrom of hurt and despair. Jesus' initial response isn't hugely encouraging, really. You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Is he despairing of the slowness of the disciples to understand who he is and what he's come to accomplish? Or is it more his anger at the grip that evil and death have on this world, symbolized in the anguished body of the possessed boy? Whatever prompted this outburst? Jesus immediately went on to heal the boy and to give him back to his father. Healing and restoration were what Jesus was here to do, and nothing would stop him from doing that. The glory of Jesus, the Son, the Chosen One, was revealed in the brightness on the mountaintop, But the glory of Jesus, the faithful son, was equally revealed in his actions in the valley below, when he continued to do what God had sent him to do, to save, to heal, to restore. That is why Jesus did not give in to despair, but rather set his face for Jerusalem, and steadfastly travelled on to the exodus that he would accomplish in Jerusalem. Paul, writing to the Corinthian church, said that all of us, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. In Jesus, we can see the glory of God, and as we are transformed into his likeness, we also will reflect the glory of God in in our lives. How will we do that? By obeying the voice from heaven. This is my son, the chosen. Listen to him. Amen. Now we come to pray.
1: God of glory, Jesus took his friends with him when he went to pray on the mountain. There you revealed to them the glory of Jesus, your beloved Son, on his way to the cross. Then Jesus went back down to the valley and continued to walk that way, through the sorrow and distress and pain of everyday life. We do not live on mountaintops, but we too would glimpse your glory in the ordinary days of our lives and in the community of your son in which you have chosen to dwell. We look for you among people who have no power, no rights, no voice. We look for you among those who live on the streets of our city, whose housing is inadequate, whose homes are not safe. We look for you among those who grieve a past that is no more, and fear a future that seems full of loss. We look for you among those who are full of fear, particularly as the Omicron variant takes off among us and voices of division ring loudly in our ears. God who meets us in the broken places, shine the light of Christ deep into our lives so that we may carry that light into dark places and point to the one whose brokenness is our salvation. In his name we pray.
0: Amen. And a blessing as we finish. As you leave this time apart and return to the needs of the world, may you know that Christ goes before you, that there is nowhere you will be without him. May you find joy and hope as you discover Christ is by your side. Go in peace. Go in hope. Go in love. And a final song today as we finish. Shine, Jesus, shine.